What does it mean to be human? How do we want to live? Who will we be to each other? I'd say those are the core questions that we all wrestle with individually and as a community, as a city, as a church, as a family. And in memory of Mary Oliver, who died this week, I think we Unitarians selfishly claim her as a Unitarian Universalist poet because so much of her writing ends up in our hymnals and read on Sundays. Those questions are the same as her request from the poem, um, The Summer Day, where she says, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What does it mean to be human? You know, we wrestle over these, and there are no simple answers. I noticed as we sang the hymn, um, Peace Like a River, my mind was, my eyes were wandering and looking at who wrote the words. And the first couple of verses are written by one person, and then my guess is, I'll have to look up who the other person is. The last three verses. So there are all these uplifting, there's joy like a river, peace like a river, joy like a fountain. And then there's tears and pain like an arrow. So someone felt compelled to say, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Yes, there is joy in life. It is wonderful. And there is pain. It is hard. This is not easy. So that reading was a little complicated and messy, that trialogue between Lincoln and Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. Because we did, we did this before with just Martin Luther King and uh, Lincoln, and it felt to me each time we did it that it was so forward-pointing and so rah, rah, freedom, freedom, that it didn't quite acknowledge the arrows of pain that still exist. And that somehow we need both of those. We need someone who is always pointing to where there is a better future, where we can change, and never ignoring reality, never ignoring that there are those that are still left behind, that there is still inequality, that there is still racism that are it's deeply embedded in our system. It's not just about us as individuals being racist by ourselves, but that we have all these economic, social, governmental, familial, family-related systems that keep things in place so that pain like an arrow still pierces many. And we all experience it in different ways. I know you could name right away all the ways that current society feels like pain is an arrow. So what I propose is, since it is Martin Luther King, King's birthday tomorrow and the whole weekend uh, is given over to remembering him, remembering his words, remembering his work, talking about where his work is today, that I thought, well, what does he have to say about those three questions? 
What does it mean to be human? So I've, I've been rereading things of his and, and picked some quotes that I thought might address what he has to say. So what does it mean to be human? Martin Luther King might say, the ultimate measure of a person is not where he or she stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand in times of challenge and controversy. Oh my gosh, if these aren't times of challenge and controversy, and if these aren't times when the words and actions, and I'll just say of scoundrels, lead us into dark places. What does it mean to be human when, when there is so much pain and so much deceit and so much bullying and misdirection? And King would be comfortable taking a stand in these days, in these times. In his um, letter to the Birmingham jail, we've talked about this one before, it was back when, when um, protests were being done in Birmingham to fight segregation. And he was put in jail. And all of uh, uh, the major white clergy in Birmingham wrote him a letter and said, oh, please, please don't speak out. Let's make nice. And his time in jail, with support of those outside of jail in his organization, he did not do this alone, and there are many copies of it, and he thought very carefully about what he would write in this letter. He called out the clergy and the city in general for not taking a stand and said, no, there are times when we should make nice and there are times when you finally have to call out what is going on and name it and act on it. And he called that creative tension. He was trying to justify the strikes and the protests that were disrupting city life because it was the only way to get people's attention And he was talking about what is that fine line between taking action and being destructive. And so those whose routines and work and everything was being disrupted were saying, wait, this is harming me. And he was saying, but sometimes there is a higher goal and we have to disrupt. And I think we as a church have to ask our similar questions. Where are we as a church? Where is our board and our committee looking at challenges and needing to take a bigger stand. Should I say this? Somehow we let slip through the cracks today the Roe v. Wade ad and hope Unitarian Church is always in that ad and we took funds up for it, but somehow, and I'll take responsibility for it as well, didn't get our name in it. We didn't take a stand collectively and in this day and age, Yes. Thanks to the women of hope. But we need to keep it on our front burner and we need to keep taking a stand publicly on all sorts of things. 
I've said this before, we haven't discussed issues of violence and nonviolence. Are guns allowed in our church, in our building? What do we stand for? What, uh, I can go on. But, we, but the quotes about peace and the trialogue is about always being in relationship and having conversation. So King took a stand, but he was also in contact with those white clergy. He was talking to them. He was talking to his own people. This wasn't just someone trying to be a hero alone. We can never take be a hero alone without support. We tell that story. It makes it seem like that's how it happens. But the best action always comes from those who are collectively speaking, talking, in relationship. So to be human means to use all of our faculties to witness and accept reality. To be looking for some positive future, but always grounded in what's real. Because what worked back in Birmingham back in the 60s, may not work today in 2019. The impulse may be the same, but how to disrupt our normal ways of being human with each other will take something different. How do we want to live? So Martin Luther King says, we must develop the capacity to forgive. He or she who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. Devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. So if we're going to call out evil, we also have to recognize the evil that is within us, that we are capable, given similar circumstances, given similar experiences, given similar pressures, to maybe make the choices of someone that we don't fully understand. Why, why on earth would they do that? I don't know how many times I have found myself doing something and realizing, oh, that's something that I have been so critical of others and now making this choice or saying these words makes sense because of where I am. So what I hear Martin Luther King saying, how do we want to live, his answer strikes me as that we want to live always acknowledging that we are human and hence imperfect. We cannot forgive unless we acknowledge that we ourselves are imperfect and then grant that same generosity to every other human being, even the most odious to us. You know, forgiveness came up in our Roots class Thursday night. Roots is the small group um, introduction to what it means to be Unitarian Universalist and be here at Hope Church. And there was an interesting discussion about what does it mean to forgive? Can you really forgive? 
And I, we came down to that forgiveness isn't something you do in one point of time, but it's an ongoing frame of mind. It's an ongoing way of being in the world. There were a couple of quotes about peace that implied the same thing, that peace isn't a moment. Peace is a choice that you make throughout your life nonstop. And forgiveness is embedded in peace because none of us are going to be perfect when we get along. No nation, no church, no small group, no family. The meditation work I do, the class I take, my teacher talks about, she made a decision about 20 years ago. I'm still working to do this. She said she made a vow to herself to forgive herself no matter what. Now that's not, uh, we've talked about this before, we, we think forgiving is the same as condoning, and it's not at all. In fact, forgiveness is acknowledging mistakes, really naming it and claiming it, and then knowing that you're going to continue to make mistakes and forgiving yourself. And you can, if you don't forgive yourself, there is virtually no way to forgive others. When someone is brutal to me, I realize, oh, that person is hard on themselves. This is just an outward expression of their inability to forgive themselves. And where that comes from, I, w- I won't get into that. Um, but it's not the same as condoning. Uh, I don't know if you have paid attention to, there was a, a woman... I think about this all the time when I first heard about it. There's a woman named Jennifer Thompson Canino. When she was 22, she was raped by a black man. So color of the skin matters here and is a common trope for hanging black men. The start of our own race massacre here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, uh, Sexualized, perhaps, approach of a black man towards a white woman. Um, never verified. But, but she said she had the presence of mind during this awful, degrading act to pay attention to what this person looked like so that she could identify him. Paid close attention. I don't know if I'd have the presence of mind. And in the police lineup, and then in court, she was certain this was the man. So he went to prison for 10 years until DNA tests confirmed that he was actually not at all the man, could not be the man. And what's interesting is these two human beings who were at such opposite ends of their life, one condemning one, one going to jail, have become friends. She said to him the first time she met him, I will spend the rest of my life, every single second of my life, saying, I am sorry, I am sorry, I am sorry, I am sorry. And he said back to her, I forgave you a long time ago that level of forgiveness 
that the world will mistreat us and we will mistreat the world and we have to forgive each other how do we want to live acknowledging that we are imperfect and can forgive because then there's infinite change for any infinite room for any kind of step and change so who do we want to be for each other Martin Luther King I have three quotes from him they all who will we be for each other we must come to see that the end we seek is a society at peace with itself a society that can live with its conscience I don't know if I can live with the conscience of my society at the moment There comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular. But one must take it because conscience tells us it is right. There comes a time when silence is betrayal. So with the understanding that we are powerful and imperfect, willing to take action, but always ready with forgiveness. Then what we have to do is make room for those whose voices we have not listened to. Who will we be for each other? We will be ones who listen deeply. We've ignored voices for too long those who can't speak. And we, I'm not talking about us being the white saviors. I'm talking about us giving room and space for those who have not had power. Have you been paying attention to the... Um, oh, God, what's his name? Oh, R. Kelly. Have you been paying to the mute R. Kelly? So R. Kelly is a, is a black musician, producer, um, who's been doing some pretty despicable things with underage women and getting away with it because of power uh, for a long time. And just recently, people have begun to hear the voices of his victims. His power and his creative abilities allowed us to ignore the arrow of pain that many underage women were experiencing with him. So who do we want to be for each other? We want to be the ones that can hear someone's voice in an unexpected place and take them seriously. Our children, they have a lot to teach us. We need to pay attention to our children. Our elders, they have a lot to teach us. We need to pay attention. We have to use the privileges that we have, the resources we have, to make sure that those who are not heard can be heard. I was, I was thinking we, we have a covenant. Our staff has a covenant. We say every time we have a staff meeting, which is every Wednesday at 1.30, and one line of our covenant is about leaning in and leaning out. And what we mean by that is when we have something important to say, Lean in and say it. But to make sure that every voice gets heard 
And those who tend to be a little more shy or a little insecure or uncertain or not look like us, that we lean out and give them time and space to say what they need to say so that we can hear it. It's something we should be doing in all of our meetings. Leaning in and leaning out. So what does it mean to be human with MLK as our guide? That We're going to use our whole selves, as imperfect as we are, to stand with each other, discerning how and when to listen, how and when to act, how and where to act. May it be so.